All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. They offer a wide range of auto repair. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. Uh, auto repair services from their expert mechanics. Visit fountaintire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer. As we welcome in Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. Morning, Scott. Welcome back to Sports 1440 with Kevin Carius and Lorianne Munzer. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks uh, for hopping on. I mean, and right now, this Winnipeg Jets team is just smoking hot. Number one in the league. De- deep, very deep team. Uh, how? What have you seen from the Jets in the last little while that has vaulted them into this number one slot? Yeah, I mean, I, you don't like to throw this word out too often, but, like, it, it's almost true at times perfection, right? Like, I mean... You know, this team hasn't lost in regulation now in 12 games. They're, they've won six straight. They've gone 29 straight games, allowing three goals or fewer, nine straight, allowing two or fewer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 well, we've had this team here back now for 13 years or 12 years now, I guess it is. Um, I don't think we've ever seen a team that's this consistent. This committed to team defense, um, and that, that has kind of everything working for them. Goaltending, uh, five-on-five play. I mean, obviously, and, and, and I guess, you know, if we had to kind of poke holes into this team, you'd look at special teams, and that's kind of where – but even the negatives right now, like this is the funny – kind of the funny thing is even the negatives, once you kind of like, you know, unpack them and go through them, they sort of lead to a positive, right? Because – if the Jets get better at special teams, their power play, their penalty kill, both in the in the, I think they both still rank in the twenties um, right now. I mean, if they if they can't get much worse in terms of you know their percentages right now, um, so the only way for those are, are are up for the most part, and and that's again that, that that's kind of a scary proposition for for the rest of the league given the way that this team's playing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, we're kind of running out of superlatives to kind of talk about this team, and it's only we're not even at the halfway point yet, just getting there. Um, But they're they're playing really well. Um, It's a very connected team, a team that doesn't rely as heavily on goaltending as it used to. Yet the goaltending is still there, Um, and they're just finding ways to win. They they just won six and nine. Um, All all six of the wins, straight wins, have come in the last nine days. Uh, they just won a road trip where they played three games in four nights. It's, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty interesting to watch. It's fun to watch, you know, for especially, um, you know, I know for fans of this team, they've they, they've had a tough time over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, second year under Rick Bonus right now, the head coach, and this team is running as well oiled as, as a hockey team can. Scott Billick, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, when you talk about uh, Rick Bonus and the job that he's done with the coaching staff, is that is it as simple as to say that they just the, the team, the players have bought into this concept, the the team defense, as you mentioned, twenty nine games, uh, three goals or less. Uh, so, what's been yeah. the process of the buy in? I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of it's buy in. I think. I think this team, like if we go back a year, um, and the players hate talking about last year because they they know it's a night and day difference, and, and so do we. I mean, watching along, you can tell it, it's much different than last year. But you know, through the first half of last year, 
coaching change that happened and all that. There was there was very good buy-in from this team. Um, but it, it you know this team was a team that had been coached by Paul Maurice for, for many of these like for eight years under Paul Maurice and for a lot of the players and especially a lot of the core of this team um, they didn't know any different right and so you bring a new coach in and this new coach is kind of really demanding of the players you want some playing and and there was no real um, let's uh, there, there there was no leniency. Um, because they were really trying to change the culture of this team and trying to change the mentality of this team. And they did a good job doing that. Um, but I think, you know, halfway through the year, um, some losses um, piled up for the Jets and, and they kind of, you know, they they, they kind of wilted under under what they were being asked to do and they, they kind of reverted to old ways. Um, that That's not the case this year. I, mean, I think this team came into this year knowing exactly what's expected of them and, and knowing that there wasn't going to be, um, you know, th- th- there wasn't going to be any leniency for them. And so they've come out almost every night uh, uh, this year and, and have have really stuck to what is being asked of them, um, which is, you know, it, it's a tough game to play. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a relentless kind of wave upon wave. Um, but, you know, I, I think they've found a way to be efficient in that, and and in games, especially. I mean, there was a couple of games on this road trip where they, they weren't necessarily blowouts. Um, they were they were tough games against the San Jose Sharks, even the Anaheim Ducks, um, and and given you know kind of playing both those games back to back. But this team again found a way to, um, you know, just kind of stick with the system and realize that you know if they do that, they're going to win more times than not. It sounds very cliche, but that's the way that they're playing right now. They they, they play within their system. They play this five-on-five five structure, and, and they just keep the pressure up. They're, they're likely going to score, and they're like so. They've been you know before last night when they beat Arizona six to two, they'd allowed the first goal in their last four games. Um, but again, they were able to overcome that. And this is a team that just doesn't like the high. Again, these are all sound like a lot of cliches, but. The highs never get too high. The lows never get too low, and and that that's even true within games themselves. So yeah, this is a this is definitely a team that's playing. Um, yeah, the coaches system. It's it just everybody understands the role, even down to like the fourth line guys or the bubble guys that have had to come in to cover off some injuries here. Um, they know what what is expected of them when they come in. And, uh, yeah, the Jets have just hit this stride right now where everybody's kind of contributing. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and what yeah, about it, it's the injuries? Lot, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, I hate to – it's Lorianne here, Scott. Well, I hate to talk about injuries, but is there an update yeah. on Kyle Connor? Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been skating, um, which, which is interesting because, like, when he started skating, it had been three weeks to the date that his – that his knee injury happened in Anaheim. Um, it was just about four weeks to the date when they, they were in Anaheim uh, over the weekend. Uh, and, and yeah, there's no update on when he could return. And we had heard early on in the six to eight week timeline that it was going to be closer to eight weeks. Um, so that's still another month uh, away. And, and there was talk that he wouldn't be back until after the All-Star break anyways. Um, I don't think that timeline has changed. Um, but the fact that he was skating as early as he was was kind of a shock because he had an injury similar 
It's what Gabe Velarde went through. It was mm-hmm. an MCL sprain earlier this year. They haven't called it an MCL sprain. They haven't called it anything yet. But Gabe Velarde kind of said that the injury was, was similar um, to his in the way that the recovery process and all that. And Velarde didn't skate for the first, I want to say, five weeks, maybe four weeks of that. So to see Connor out there early was kind of a, a bit of a shock. Um, but, you know, we keep getting told by the team that um, – He's not. He's not. He's still ways away. Is the is the uh, uh, the wording that's being used? So we'll see um, if if it's you know if the if if the the timeline has been kind of moved up a little bit. Um, but right now, I mean, it still sounds like uh, until then uh, it'll be a closer to that eight week mark. Um, the crazy thing is you know, the, the Jets aren't really missing their top scorer, which is a, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say. Uh, but they've, uh, I think, since he went down, they've won, like, they've lost one game in regulation. I think they lost three games total since he went down, um, and two of them have been in overtime. So, yeah, they're not they're not they're not they're not hungry for scoring in the way that this team might have used to be. They're, they're, that's one of the things this team's done really well is handled injury adversity from Gabe Velarde's four to six weeks. He missed six weeks total, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Kyle Connor now it's. Uh, yeah, it's quite impressive how this team has has rallied around that and and, and learned to play without them. Scott Bellick, our guest uh, from the Win- Winnipeg Sun, Kevin Carey, Lorianne Munzer on Sports fourteen forty. Last night, the Jets with their sixth straight victory, six two over the Arizona Coyotes uh, at Mullet Arena. What did you take away from uh, the Jets' performance last night, Scott? Yeah, it just the fact that at the end of a six game and in, in nine night run. At the end of a three-game road trip, where they played three games in four nights, and at the end of their, um, they call them mentors trips now, their dads mm-hmm. and mentors trips. Um, you know, this team came out and really pushed the pace early on against Arizona. I caught that first goal, um, and just kept going from there. Like it's really interesting to watch how the, it, it, you know, having covered this team for eleven years now, that I have, I, I, I've never watched a team. Uh, they used to call these, and Paul Maurice liked to wax poetic sometimes about these as kind of, they weren't, you know, they're almost scheduled losses or, um, uh, you know, yeah, it, that would be along the lines. And, you know, this team's mantra now is, you know, it, it's it's no excuse. It's like, you know, no excuses. Instead, you got to find solutions, right? And, and this is, last night was a prime example of that. Like, you look at, you could have called last night's game a scheduled loss or a trap game or whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the Jets went out and put six up on, on the scoreboard, right? And, and that's that's very indicative of, you know, or very uh, – it, it, it's very much what this team is in a nutshell. They, they don't care if they've played that many games in, in so few nights. They don't – it doesn't matter to them, right? They're they're up for the challenge, and they go out and they and they perform. If you look at the analytics from last night, all those numbers. I mean, the Jets the Jets put the boots to the Arizona Coyotes, and you know, the Coyotes aren't necessarily a great team. They were in the playoff hunt for a little, they're still in the playoff hunt. They were in a playoff spot for a little bit, um, but you know this is again the Jets team that whether it's Boston, whether it's Colorado, whether it's whoever. Or whether it's you know some of the other the you know, let's I don't want to call them the lower teams mm-hmm. in the NHL, but that's where they are in the standings. The game doesn't really change. You don't see a whole lot of difference in the way that they play. And yeah, they they, they put excuses aside last night and 
and and came out and 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 really put a stamp on on this kind of franchise record run they are on right now in, in a bunch of different facets right now and uh yeah it's uh like i said it's it's impressive to watch it's 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 fun to watch hockey being played at such a kind of fine tuned level um with this and, level uh, yeah, here yeah last night was a good mm-hmm example sorry go ahead Mark. with this with this level scott what's the attendance been like in winnipeg it's you know it's interesting it's going up right like i mean the jets had their first sellout uh a few games a few home games ago interesting against the minnesota wild which is not something you know often we've seen in times uh post-covid because anytime before covid the jets have just sold out straight um since they came back in 2011 um, in the post-COVID world, um, it, it, you know, it, I guess priorities for some people had obviously changed. Uh, you know, whatever it was, hesitancy to come to games, or you know, people just you know, less money with all the inflation and stuff like that. Um, so usually, these sellout games were kind of for the original six teams, and often the the Montreal's and the Toronto's of the league that would come through, where half the half the rink was Toronto Maple Leaf fans or Montreal Canadian fans. Um, but yeah, in the first game after Christmas, or the second game after Christmas, um, they sold out against on December 30th against the Minnesota Wild, and that's um, not normal. I, I, let's say um, <laughs> you know the Wild aren't usually a huge draw, but at the same time, they turned into one of the more feisty games of the year. Um, but but I, I think you know to answer your question, I, I think you know after the last two years, it was very difficult for this team to kind of attract people because just the product on the ice wasn't good enough and i think through the first you know 39 games of the year now this team has had to try and win back uh the fan base a little bit i think that's starting to happen um they haven't had a game i believe below fourteen thousand. doesn't seem like a lot i mean they only hold fifteen thousand two hundred and twenty five is the new number now uh, around winnipeg uh, Canada Life Center, um, but again, I think people are starting to realize that you know you can pay the money and you can expect a um, to get your money's worth. And and honestly, outside from the first couple of home games of the season, um, th- this team has been well worth um, every penny to watch. And uh, yeah, so I, I think I think the the hype again keeps going, um, and, and the hype keeps building for this team. Uh, I assume that, uh, I mean, we've always said around here, if you build it, they'll come. Um, that's the one thing people just want to see a winner around here. And, and really, at, at the end of the day, just want to see a hardworking team. Um, and they're getting both, you know, both of those things this season. And I think, you know, in the next month or so, I think you're going to see this team being back to um, kind of, you know, if not close to, or if not fully uh, close enough to kind of a full-time solo team. Oh, I, I mean, it's exciting to watch. Looking forward to the next time they play the Oilers. I don't think it's until March, but uh have to look at the yeah. schedule again. But uh, exciting to watch the Jets, and uh, they're the cream of the crop right now in the NHL. Hey, Scott, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, continued uh, success uh, covering the, the Jets. It's been a great story and will continue to be for the remainder of the year. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Yeah, you talking Appreciate you having me. That's Scott Billick, Winnipeg Sun, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to fountaintire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. You know, Winnipeg is just, again, they have a deep team. This is all without Kyle Connor. He's their best 
pure goal scorer. Mark Scheifele's playing well. They have one of the top net miners in the entire National Hockey League in Connor Hellebeck. Their defense is deep. Uh, they can play mean and nasty. I mean, we saw Brandon Dillon give the good hard cross check that probably should have been a game suspension on Kirill Kaprizov right to the old kidneys. They they have everything that you would want in a team. The only thing that you could say right now is don't peak too soon. <laughs> yeah, just keep it going. And that. So here's a question: Is yeah. you, we were talking with Spec about Hyman, you know, uh, bringing up his level of game. He spent time with you know McDavid there on on doing that. So do you think that that is part of what's going on? You know, with the Jets is, you know, their number one player is, is out. Um, so is that just the team has come together? Is it the new coaching? I think it's a 100% buy-in. They had, yeah. so the other thing that happened earlier on with this team is that the head coach, Rick Bonus, his wife was ill. He yes. took a little bit of a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Arneal took over as head coach. The team didn't miss a beat. And it's almost like you can feel that they're pulling together. They have this mm-hmm. uh, something besides winning for each other. You can all, Now you can say, well, you know, our coach went through a hard time. We love our coach. Yes. The other thing is they got rid of Blake Wheeler. And Blake Wheeler, now he's with the New York Rangers. They still have, I think, two years left on a buyout still with Blake Wheeler. He was captain of the team and for many years was almost the identity of the team. Rick Rick Bonus comes in, takes the captaincy away, and almost at that point you can see the team started to become a team. And mm-hmm. for some reason, Blake Wheeler wasn't the guy to lead the team. Yes. He didn't have the leadership qualities that you need. For whatever reason, he was named captain many years ago. But now he comes in, he, he leaves. It opened the door for guys like Mark Shifley. It opened the door for a guy like Adam Lowry, who was named captain, who is the was the de facto leader of the team. Yes. But now he's got the C. Yeah. Big guy, big, strong centerman, can play the game in all, all ways. You, I mean, when, when we watch the Oilers and the Jets moving forward, you're going to see Adam Lowry on Connor McDavid. Right. You know, in a head-to-head matchup, yes. we saw that earlier this year. The Jets and Oilers played at the end of November. Oilers won three-one. That was kind of right when things were starting to turn around. Pivot for the Oilers. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, they have a deep team. They have, and again, once they get Kyle Connor back, that gives them the game breaker that they can use to score. A guy that has the ability. He's a one-shot scorer. He has the ability to be the game breaker. You need a goal. He's a guy that can get you that goal. Uh, the power play that will help their power play. But again, their defense is solid in the sense that they have, uh, you know, Josh Morrissey's a very good defenseman, mm-hmm. but they also have a lot of depth in that. And again, when you have one of the top net miners in the world, that's Connor Hallebuck. Uh, when we come back. We've got a little open time. Uh, some texts coming in about we were talking about Jungle Jim Hunter and his training methods. <laughs> so the texts are rolling in about that. Uh, more with Laurie Ann Munzer and the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Still to come on the Kevin Carey Show, we will have our in or out with Laurie Ann Munzer. Quick Card Minor Hockey Week is coming up. We'll have a couple guests in studio to discuss that at 10 o'clock. And then Warren Moon, former CFLer, former double ear. Commentator with the Seattle Seahawks, former Washington Husky, as the Huskies get set for Michigan tonight in the uh, college football championship. Uh, Duke 
You had Kenny Chestnut there. That's he's one of your all time favorites, isn't he? Mark Chestnut. Oh, sorry, Kenny Mark. Chesney. Well, yeah, Kenny Chesney. Mark Mark, Mark, Chestnut. Mark Chestnut. Yeah, I think Mark Chestnut gets a little. A little <laughs> I always under, get those guys confused. A little I guess. underrated in the uh, grand scheme of uh, '90s country. He's got a few few jams. I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Jungle Jim Hunter, Lorianne Munzer. Just uh, you, did you send a text to Jungle Jim? No, only okay. an email. Okay, an email. So hopefully we get Jungle Jim on next Monday or something oh, like that. That would be it would be hoot. great. A positive Bronte fan texts in and says, "I love the story about strapping skis to the top of the car, and I never knew getting in the duels of the tractor was a training exercise. Farm kids are built different. I snowboard behind a horse in an open field out in the farm a few years back." That's from Positive Bronte fan. Duke, did you ever do anything crazy on the farm when you were, when you were training for all the, you know, the Delburn squads and things like that or whatever? Uh, training, no. Uh, we, I mean, of course, we get up to things that violate every uh, safety What's the worst, safety the worst one or the best one, whatever you want to uh, call it? That's a, I don't I, know. Can we say that on the radio? What's that? Like adventures any? like that. Oh the, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the uh, statute of limitations is expired on. They can't uh, can't ring no. me up. Uh, like in, in terms of <laughs> maybe sim- your, sim- your dad similarities <laughs> to this. Um, well, yeah, that's a, it's so funny. Every couple of years when I'm like giving speeches at weddings of some of my buddies and my dad's there, I'll tell some stories that he didn't know mm-hmm. had happened, and then I usually get a good uh, ear ringing afterwards about. I can't believe he did that, but tangent story um relative to what we're talking about here with the skiing and stuff we, we love towing um like inflated inner tubes um like tractor sized inner tubes in behind the uh the mm-hmm. atv or the quads never we never did it behind horses um probably because most of our horses weren't uh quite keen on that i don't mo- most of our horses for my sister like i was never a big horse guy my sisters were um they uh were pretty casual in their their riding they like used them to bring in the cattle and stuff but things like towing i'd never seen anyone like shoot a gun off of it like they're not john would Wayne. you consider yourself a horseman no zero chance of that like the but la- you can ride a horse I, I know how to ride a horse and i can ride a horse i i honestly at this point not even sure i could tell you the last time i did i think the last time i tried to get on a horse was when i tore my acl the first time it was like the next day we were branding branding cattle that day mm-hmm. so we were like working on bringing everything in i didn't want to walk up the hill to where i was like meeting the the atv to go wrangle them up so i asked my sister i was like i'll just get on the back of your horse give me a ride to the top of the hill went to push off of my right leg and it was just like the night before that i'd torn it didn't even know he had hadn't been to the doctor mm-hmm. it made an audible bang my leg did as I pushed off the ground. I rolled around <laughs> on the ground for like 15 minutes. So that was like the last time I tried to get on a horse, but no, I'm not a horseman. I've said this on this show a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more. I'm not a cowboy. I'm, I'm a dirt farmer. I <laughs> okay. Lorianne, can you, are you, uh, can you ride a horse? Have you been on a horse? And- I can count on one hand how many times I've been on a horse. Okay. And I was told never to squeeze the horse with your legs because mm-hmm. that means like pick it up. And that was the first thing I did. And I was hanging on for dear life. Yeah, yeah. That's you can you can urge them, urge them onward with uh, mm-hmm. with your your feet, and if you got some spurs on, yeah. uh, but you're also good for for handling. You know, lean one like squeeze on one side or the other to help with some turning. Uh, th- when you watch some videos of like these like expert horsemen, like um, cattle cutting, and you know, like they're going a dead dead run yes. and then stop on a you see on it a on dive, Yellowstone drop drop yeah, the, yeah that one scene where they're like yes. racing them all the hands are betting on each other and stuff and the t- Taylor Sheridan is doing it the horse know. drops yeah. its uh its uh behind right onto the dirt to kind of do a sliding stop it's it's incredible to watch and there's lots of places you can take that in like around farm fair mm-hmm. time here in the city stampede away from like the main rodeo grounds kind of the the side events lots of stuff like that 20 let's see 1996 97 somewhere in there I played polo 
Oh my God. Wow. Is that as hard as it looks? Oh yeah. It's because, well, for one, I had a really good horse too. I hope so. You know, but you're, you're concentrating on, you know, trying to make contact with your mallet and the ball, but. Yeah, your remember, main concern you're, you're has also to, riding a horse. Yes, your main concern has to be the horse. But you, for some reason, and then this is how stupid I am, but you kind of get in that mindset where, well, the horse is doing it, so I'm concentrating on advancing, you know, the the ball or doing whatever, and you sort of, it's almost like you're. Not in control of the horse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Which you, that has well, to be your number one priority. Well, you you and the horse have to be one. Well, yes, but it's, I mean, you're constant being. I guess it's just think being in sports. You're thinking about because you, what you, you're trying if, to do with the ball and the mallet. At, if you're looking at a puck on the ice, yes, you're like, I want to go over there. You're in control of your own body. Your legs will take you over there. I get it. And yes. then you're focusing on shooting or moving your stick. There, it's totally different with the polo because you have to make the horse go that way. It doesn't do it. Exactly. I mean, like probably really well-trained ones might do it instinctually. Mm-hmm. Plus, the other thing, too, I didn't want to club someone over the melon <laughs> with the mallet. You know, like just... Were, were you doing like the full windmill, oh, yes. windmill swing? Absolutely. Oh, That's man. Good. Dangerous. You know. Oh, very dangerous. That might be more dangerous than anything I ever did on the farm. Oh, That's, yeah. that's not true, but... That was one of the things, remember I was telling you when I was in Calgary before I got here, they had, they were we had a dare carry us kind of segment yeah and I did skydiving and this polo was one and then the next one that I was going to be doing but I got a job here was uh, steer wrestling oh wow Very that's cool. the one rodeo event that if I were to become a cowboy I you, think I would have done because you have to spend so little time on the horse if I you're just, good at it I mean okay first of all you're not going to get into roping I'm not going to ride you know I'm not going to be able to ride anything mm-hmm in the sense of a bucking horse or a bull, and that, that's just dumb for me. But I felt that I, if I had the opportunity, I could do with some training, oh, proper instruction. So yeah. yeah. Number of components there. A lot of components. But, <laughs> and I mean, I think they, they were going to give me like probably the a smaller steer. But yeah. having said that, those are sometimes harder because they're quicker. They're, and they're slippery. They don't usually got the horns to... But I mean, it's a catch-22, right? They don't have the horns to grab onto, but also no horns to impale yourself on as you're dropping off the side of your horse. So, yeah. you know, a little give, little take. 100% respect for, for those guys. Positive Bronte says, FYI, my handle is a tribute to Gregor's Positive Fridays and Ruben Bronte, Robin Brownlee. So uh, Robin Brownlee, every time we talk about Robin Brownlee, do you, did you ever get interviewed by Robin Brownlee? Um, he would have worked, you know, he worked at the Sun so. in the Journal for yeah. a thousand years. Anyway, back in the day, uh, this would be in the late 90s too, uh, him and Bob Stoffer decided to have a race at uh, Edmonton Eskimos <laughs> training camp. At, uh, it was at, uh, oh, where was it at? It was at Kings, not at Kings, the other, what's the other college? Was it, it wasn't at Concordia? Concordia, yeah. That's where it was. It was a, just on 111th there or whatever. Just over, like, because it's close to Northland. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's where training camp was. So these two guys decide to have a race. It, it was just awful. Oh, my. <laughs> like, it was in, it, the two Speed. of them. Oh, like, I mean, they took their socks off and everything. It was just terrible. We Like, we running put, barefoot? Yes. On, we, like, a gym floor, like, down the track? No, no, or? outside. It was outside. Like, just on the road? No, just on the field, like, on the sidelines. Oh, okay. It was. Just, they have a football field over there. That's where the training camp was. Yeah, oh. but the two of them, you should have seen it. It was just oh. we were loud. And back then, there were a lot of media. 
you know, like there was media from, you know, all TV stations and then the radio and the number of print guys and everyone just started howling. We put it on that and we uh, cut it to uh, Chariots of Fire, put it on the air. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, it's just. Yeah. Does Classic. that footage still exist? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it would be. You, you got a hard copy of it I in, wouldn't your, have, your, in your DVD collection? Uh, well, it would be on, back then it would be on, would have been shot on uh, beta. Yeah. Or even it could have still, I don't think it was, no, it was beta because we hadn't gone to DVC Pro or whatever yet. So it would be on a beta camera. So somewhere in the archives at the old ITV in the basement, it's on, it's on there. It it would be probably 97, 98, somewhere in there. But (laughs) I mean, the two of these guys, like, I mean, we're not, we're talking like two bigger guys that are Mm -hmm. trying to race. Very powerful men. Clydesdales. Oh, worse than that. Uh, when we come back, well, it was honestly, they were, it, when you see the video, and again, to that, that you know, that beautiful piano. I can piano, hear the music. I the can beautiful hear the music. piano, and yeah. we slowed it down and everything, and, oh, you know. The other thing with Brownlee, too, is I always think about is uh, Jay Durant, who was working with me here, and, uh, and Johnny Sexsmith. Jay Durant went up to Brownlee one time at Oilers practice and said, you know what? You look exactly like Rhino Man from Spider-Man. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Rob, Robin Brownlee, I thought I was going to kill him. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, understandably pretty taken aback by that yeah. comment. Oh, oh boy. Uh, when we come back, uh, are you in or are you out with Lorianne Munzer? Stay with us. All right, dude. No clue. No, no idea. No sniff. Yeah, I didn't expect you to have much of a... That's Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah. Weedus. Who? Weedus. Bit, a bit of a one-hit uh, wonder type thing, but... That was a hit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that song... If you go to any party bar where it's like a group of... Win. Usually white people. Um, that's like a champion of white people music. I, I love it, obviously. Um, but like people around my age, maybe a few years older, little bit younger, it like everybody knows every word. Oh. It's a classic. I see. Okay. Well, I don't get it. Come on in. Well, uh, may, maybe <laughs> tell you, you know what I should do, Kevin? I know I know you're not very hip with the technology no. and things, but if I were to get you like a, an Apple or Spotify playlist with some of these songs that I play that you're not as familiar with, and you can like list as soon as you get in the tr- in your new uh, great Dodge Ram from St. Albert Dodge, it'll connect automatically, and you just play really? it as you play it as you drive home. And you can get up to speed. I mean, like, none but of these But then I are, wouldn't be listening to you guys when None of these home. are new. Well, you obviously didn't all season. You went 0-18, for goodness sake. <laughs> okay. Burn. Um, <laughs> none of these songs I play are new songs. Yeah. Not even close. They're like songs from my youth. And I'm not really a young man anymore. So at le- I can maybe catch you up at least one more decade to, like, the, 20, the early 2000s. I don't know. Let's just get on with are you in or are you out? I'd say yes to the playlist. Okay. I'm in. We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. Well, you know, uh, Duke, yeah, we, we still got to get that ad from Ocean's Eleven in there, right? That's right. Yeah. In the works. Right. In the works. Okay. We'll start it off nice and easy for you guys here on a Monday morning. Zach Hyman with a hat trick on Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. 
on pace currently easily to top this mark, but uh, nothing's a sure thing. But I'm saying Zach Hyman will score 50 goals for the first time in <clears throat> his career. I am in on this one, Duke. I just love the way this guy's playing and pucks are going in for him. The Oilers' power play is it's it's one of the best in the league. He is net front presence on the power play. He's going to get his uh, cookies there. He grinds. He's in the blue paint always. Uh, he has the ability to push off and be just to the left or the right of the net, and he seems to be always in the right position. I am in that Zach Hyman will score 50 goals for the first time in his career, and hopefully he gets voted into the All-Star game. I'm going to say in as well. I think we've got just a, a phenomenal athlete here. He's just putting everything together. I'm also going to say it's because he's in his third decade. There's something that happens with a lot of athletes once they start hitting 30, mm-hmm. and he's definitely there. Okay. Number two, the uh, Golden Globe Awards, I'm sure, was appointment viewing for everybody. Uh, took place yesterday amidst all the NFL action. And on the note of the NFL, the uh, my Golden Globe Award for best storyline of the NFL season goes to the Cleveland Browns. You want to go first, L.A.? Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Oh. Uh, love watching the Golden Globes. Love watching <laughs> just the awards, just the stuff, the shenanigans that goes on. And I think, and again, another 30-year-old coming into it with uh, the Cleveland Browns. I think this You're talking could about be, Joe Flacco? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think this is a great story. I am out on this one, Duke. And I watched the Golden Globes a little bit last night when I was crawling into the rack. I enjoyed it. I think... It's better than it's a hundred times better than the Oscars. You think so? Oh yeah. What ma- like I, I'm not First, an award show person. What makes it better? fifteen second speech? You're off. You're like they're playing you out. They are. You they're get on there and basically out. you're saying thanks and let's get on to the next one. <laughs> Plus the booze is flowing. You see all those people at the tables. Like I mean, in the Oscars, you got to sit in your seat, right? It's yeah. more of a it's more of a theater kind of atmosphere, as opposed to like a true banquet style this, event. Guys are sitting at the tables, and if you, you want to be like, look at Matt Damon, and uh, I don't know if Ben Affleck's on the sauce again or whatever, but Matt Damon was just lit last. He's sitting at the back there, enjoy, just totally enjoying himself, and like these guys, they don't want to get up there. They, they, they just want to if they, if they win something, they kind of just like wave it off. Like, yep, thanks. Well, appreciate it. Yes. I, I don't want to leave my drink unattended. <laughs> exactly. Here. That's the whole thing. You know, they had champagne bottles everywhere. <laughs> like you could just see the amount that, uh, that was flowing. So I'm going to go. I'm out on this anyway. Uh, the best storyline in my mind goes to the Detroit Lions. Uh, I like the way things have happened for Detroit and to win their first division, first time they've won the NFC North division. And I just uh, like Dan Campbell. I hope that Sam Laporta isn't hurt too badly that he can play next week against the LA Rams. And that's not my number one storyline in Detroit. A great choice, Kevin. And it does kind of come full circle with Matt Stafford making Mm -hmm. his return to Detroit for this uh, coming weekend's wildcard game. Sticking with the NFL, uh, the now fired Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, little hot at the end of uh, the game against the Saints yesterday as Jameis Winston elects to hand it off instead of kneeling out the final play of the game. Jamal Williams gets his first touchdown of the season, his first as a New Orleans Saint. Arthur Smith, a uh, little hot, saying the Saints uh, running up the score, not necessary. My solution, be a better football team. Don't uh, give an interception that goes down to the one-yard line or just stop them on the one-yard rush instead of getting worked up about it. I think that is a microcosm of the Atlanta Falcons franchise. You look at all the great, 
offensive players that they've drafted in the last, what, three, four years. You got Pitts, who's been a total bust. Bijan Robinson had, I would say, a, not a very good year. And Drake London has been average as well. And all these guys have not bought into what it takes to take this franchise to the next level. So I'm glad that New Orleans picked a, a time and an opportunity to score a touchdown, stop them, and just fine with it. Uh, and I'm glad that Arthur Smith got fired too. How's that sound? Hmm. It's okay. a little negative there, isn't it? Uh, That's a lot going on there. <laughs> I, I think you got to stop them instead of getting mad and just hold them and, yeah. That's it. So I'm in with just stop them. Seems like a pretty easy solution to me. It's And it's like the same thing in hockey, like guys trotting mm-hmm. out their top power play unit when they're already up, you know, a few goals or whatever. Like just don't let them score. Don't take penalties to, to give them the opportunity to put out your top power play unit. Like I, I, I think it's just kind of like sore loser, mm-hmm. sore loser talk basically. Um, mentioned Arthur Smith has been fired along with a few other Members of the NFL this morning creating some job openings potentially for Jim Harbaugh, head coach of Michigan football. Uh, tonight, national championship game between his Wolverines and the Washington Huskies will be Harbaugh's last game as head coach of Michigan. I mean, on this, I think uh, the time has come for Jim Harbaugh to leave the program. There's been talk about it already that he was asked a question even going into after last the, the last game, you know, after the after they win to go to the bowl championship. So uh, I would say this is his last game in Michigan and he moves on to the NFL. He's got an agent already. So I will say I am in on this. So the last game coaching for Michigan tonight. I'm going to be in as well. I think not only do athletes make moves quick, like we were talking earlier, um, but also the coaches as well. And sometimes you've got to go when the opportunity arrives. It's That's a no-brainer. And last one for you guys this morning. Uh, Elvis Presley, born this day in 1935. I know this is a hot-button thing for you, Kevin. We talked about the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> yes. coming out as, uh, you know, dressed as Elvis. I'm saying the Elvis impersonation industry, whatever you want to call it, has negatively affected Elvis's legacy in music. Not a chance. Not a chance. It I'm makes a- him a joke. No, 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 no. Anytime you can impersonate the king, Duke, he's the king. This is just fine. It just brings back warm memories. It brings back one of the greatest entertainers of all time. You ever been I to think the, about it? You ever been to the Elvis Festival out in Westlock? No. It's I think it's called the Blue <laughs> Blue Suede Music Fest or something. Really? Yeah, I went uh, I went there when I was uh, on the on the road truck for CFCW a couple summers ago. Yeah. They got quite, like some of those guys are really talented, but some of them suck and they're up there dressed <laughs> as Elvis like all gaudy with the the wig and the suits and it's like this is tarnishing the legacy of like you said one of the greatest musicians of all time. He, it makes a joke of it. No. Uh, anytime you can have any discussion about the king, it's good in my books. I'm mm-hmm. happy with all the people that dress up, and even in the later stages of his career with the cape, and those are the best, you know, the cape and the... The rhinestones yes, and the it, pot belly. And, yes, I'm all for it. Oh. Love the king. And you, you have dressed up as I Elvis. dressed up as Elvis. Yes, I have. And I had a lot of fun doing it. A lot of great comments, too. And I had, I wrote in all the old songs into my script and had, you know, all the highlights were like, you know, Heartbreak Hotel, you know, blah, blah, blah. Priceless. Those were the days, Duke. Awesome.
Um, I'm out that it affects his legacy in a negative way. I think it only adds and keeps it alive. They say the highest form of flattery is um, impersonation or mm -hmm. taking on that, uh, that sort of thing. And I think, yeah. And again, music connects everybody. Yeah. It's, there, there's times, there's places. I had the 45s of my parents playing on the old Marconi stereo. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it brings back memories. It brings back times. I remember the day he passed away. It was yes. two days after my sister's birthday. 77. Corn, and, corn on the cob up at the cottage, right? Summertime. So, so here's the other. I just got a text from my buddy Murray McCourt from the ranch, and he said, "So when we golf with other people that we've never golfed with before, and someone off the tee blasts one into the OB or whatever, I always look at the guy that I that's golfing with that did it, and I go, I say, they call that shot the king of rock and roll." And then they look at me and they go, what do you mean? It ain't coming back. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. That's all I got for you yeah. guys this morning. Uh, Tiger texts in, Kelvin, did you wear the tight leather black jumpsuit as well uh, when he was there? Oh, I mean, no, mine was just the white. It was one that wasn't... Big collar. Big collar. Deep V. But white, tight white pants. Yeah. With the bell bottoms. What was the fabric? Uh, I, I would say, what is that, polyester? Leather. No, 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 no. Oh, it would polyester have been like and spandex. Polyester, like sure. real cheap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, it was a costume. Like I, like, I didn't buy the. I didn't buy it. My you didn't. You didn't like go uh, go for some rounds at like Value Village or something. No, and, and, no, no. Yeah, uh, put this ensemble together yourself. It was a prepackaged costume. It, yes, and I also had like you had to get the gold sunglasses, right? Yeah, of course. So just think about all the like the wraparounds. Who was the guy or who was the lady, uh, the wife of the uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights that helped put that all together? Do you remember? I don't know. There was some, one of the wives did, took care of all the details. So uh, maybe you don't, didn't see this, Lorraine. So for no. the, for the uh, outdoor, for the Winter Classic, Vegas played in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And it's all the rage now where teams dress up and get off the bus. Like a, a team theme. Like at the Heritage Classic here, um, yeah. the Oilers came out, you know, dressed as uh, rig workers. The Flames were cowboys. I, well, they were village or people. village people cowboys. Terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. Uh, but yeah, the Winter Classic, the Vegas team came out as Elvis. They they each had their own imprecision. Seattle was uh, fishmongers. Yes. Their nice little uh, go. waterproof overalls. Positive Bronte says that's such a Westlock thing to do. So is that a, is that a yearly thing? I think so. Oh, At I'm least it, it was. It's I'm telling you, it's a home of uh, Nick Golka, legend uh, around this uh, neck of the woods, a couple doors down at CFCW. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was called the Blue, Blue Suede Music Fest, mm -hmm. I think. And it's, it's like two full days of, and it's like a contest. Like you start with the preliminaries where I think pretty much anyone can enter. And then like you advance all the way to the finals, I think oh. is like Sunday afternoon. I'm in for Don't that. quote me on all that. I was only there yeah. for a couple hours on my one day. Of, I think after that, I went to White Court. Oh, really? Westlock to White Court in one day. Well, it's exciting. Oh, <laughs> the most exciting, Kev. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, those two hours just flew by, didn't they, Lorian? It did. Amazing the things you learn. Jungle Jim Hunter mm -hmm. reached out to him, so who knows? Maybe next Hopefully week. he can come on next week. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, Elvis impersonators, <laughs> the Westlock uh, yeah. Festival. Oh. Just so you, uh, someone asked about the, who the other crazy Canuck. So there were five of them to start, and it was Dave Irwin uh, and um, Dave Murray. Mm -hmm. as well. And then Steve Podborski came in uh, later, Jungle Jim and Ken Reed. And then Todd Brooker was technically, Todd, yes. Todd Brooker was technically 
a crazy Canuck, but came in quite late later in, you know, in the crazy Canuck years. Mm-hmm. So just. Wow. That's a blast from the past. That's almost like the playlist that uh, the Duke's going to put together for you. Just classic. <laughs> Got to do it. So uh, we'll see you next uh, Monday, Lorianne, and you you'll betcha. be back on Friday with uh, Jason Greger in the afternoon for a little segment. Not this Friday. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm just away okay. and out of town, so uh, definitely back on Monday with you. Alrighty, and hopefully we get Jungle Jim Hunter. That would be really yes. cool. I will let you know as soon as I know. Top of the hour. Daryl Davis has slid into the sports 1440s. Oh, you got one something else, Lorianne? Yeah. Oh. Um, I was just thinking maybe we should get Steve Podgorski. Steve, yes, any any okay. of the crazy Canucks would be just fine in my books. Okay, let me see what I can do. Yes. Mm. Uh, Daryl Davis is in uh, studio. We'll be talking quick card minor hockey week when we come back. Also, Warren Moon at 1020 to discuss the Washington Huskies in Michigan State contest tonight, College Bowl Championship. Before that, time now for uh, Sports 1440 Update, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Book your kids 5 to 12 years old in one of our holiday camps and they will check things out. And, of course, they are open all the way through now. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here's the Duke.